You're listening to News Radio KMAN. Now back to the game with Mitch Fortner, David G, and Troy Coverdale. Moving into hour two of the game for a Friday, Troy Coverdale. Travion Berkland with you. Mitch is out the uh, remainder of the day. For those of you who weren't with us at the start of hour one, his grandfather passed away this afternoon. And as such, Mitch uh, made his way to the door, as he should have. And he was not with us here for this afternoon's show. But uh, we'll be back on Monday. And uh, and we send our wishes to him. Best to the family uh, as, again, they go through uh, the uh, period of remembering and remembering a life that sounds like it was well-lived from what Mitch was telling us. So uh, condolences again. But uh, we have a lot to get to here in the hour as we continue to move towards meaningful football. Okay, the NFL still a ways away from that, you know, given that the exhibition schedule just essentially kicked into gear last night. Uh, tonight, four games on the exhibition schedule in the NFL. Tomorrow, an early start for the Chiefs and the Bears as we uh, get coverage underway at 11 tomorrow morning. The game is at noon as Kansas City matches up with Chicago. And yes, Patrick Mahomes will see action tomorrow in the first quarter. That is part of a full day's worth of games taking place. There will wind up with just one game on Sunday uh, in looking at the exhibition schedule for this week. College, meanwhile, there's a lot of activity going on behind the scenes. The K-State football team getting into pads this week. Of course, at midweek coming up, we'll hear from offensive line coach Connor Riley from earlier in the week and a media opportunity. But we begin our previews of the Big 12 for 2022 by looking back at 2021. Baylor having won the conference title last season. Mitch had the opportunity earlier to sit down with Ashley Hodge with Sikkim 365 and asked if it was an expectation last year in the second year of Dave Aranda as head coach that the Bears would challenge for that conference title. <laughs> I, I think it would be a stretch for any Baylor fan to say otherwise. Uh, you know, I think that they expected a bowl game going into last year and potentially eight or nine wins. Uh, they, they felt good about the new offensive coordinator, uh, Jeff Grimes and, and Eric Mateos on the offensive line. They thought there would be significant improvement there. And they also felt like they had, you know, really good wide receiver in Tyquan Thornton and, and uh, Abram Smith. Uh, they were excited about his potential at running back. And, and they knew that defensively, you know, it's, it's almost a cliche, but if you can't trust Dave Aranda on defense, who can you trust kind of a thing, you know, because he had had so much success at Wisconsin, LSU, and uh, before he had taken the Baylor job. And even in that two and uh, seven season, they played excellent defense at times. But, but I think the short answer is no. I mean, it was it was a surprise at how much success they had. It was back in April that Coach Dave Aranda announced Blake Shapin as the starting quarterback. That allows 
Gary Bohannon to transfer. And I, I think everybody assumes that Shapin gets a job because that adds more of a passing aspect. You, you'll, you'll end up passing more out of it because uh, you guys ran the ball a ton last year and was really good at it. But because of his, uh, maybe you could call it lack of experience, he had a, quite a few opportunities there, at least towards the end of the year. Coming in for Bohannon against K-State, he was really good there, winning the Big 12 championship right. as the starting QB. As fans, and even from your perspective, is there total confidence in him to be successful? Yeah, I think so. I, I think if you ask the football coaches, they're going to give you a political answer. But I, I think inside the program, it was pretty clear that Blake Shapin offers significantly more upside for this offense. And Jeff Grimes, you know, he has a lot of similarities to Zach Wilson. I'm, I'm not saying he's Zach Wilson by any stretch of the imagination, but but he does have that strong arm. He can make all the throws. He was he was a, a really good baseball prospect coming out of high school and, and had a big decision whether to choose uh, baseball or football. He was a shortstop. And it's kind of like the old Mike Leach quote, you know, give me a, a shortstop and I'll, I'll turn him into an all-conference quarterback. Like he, like he just has, you know, the, the ability to make – throws on the run, throws against his body, a uh, very strong arm out to the edges and, and a you know great deep ball as well. Now, now he's got a little bit of that gunslinger in him. So I think you're going to see uh, some turnovers with him, but, uh, but I think overall, you know, the upside potential for the offense is significantly enhanced with him at quarterback. Well, with the rest of the offense. And I mean, to be honest with you, also the defense, I feel like I actually have the same question about both sides of the football and that's replacing a lot of guys that were really good last year, your top two rushers, your leaders in receiving. I think the top five, if you combine those are now are now gone from Baylor and, and defensively replacing a lot of players as well. For what Dave Aranda and the coaching staff have done with recruiting transfer portal, does it feel like Baylor has enough there to live up to what the media voted on last month that Baylor could win the Big 12? Yeah, I mean, it remains to be seen. I, I do think that they feel very confident in both lines. And I know, and as you know, lines are extremely important to winning mm-hmm. football games, especially in cold weather and on the road. Uh, so they feel, you know, their offensive line returns mostly intact, you know, eight or, the, eight, or, eight or nine of their top ten guys come back. And, uh, you know, more experience, a very veteran group, and a, and a good group. Uh, the defensive line they're super excited about. And similar deal, they, they've got everybody back. They had a couple key pieces there. Um, Jackson Player was probably the best defensive player in, in the American Conference from Tulsa, and, and so they add him. He's a Waco kid. Uh, so I, I, I think that they feel really good about the lines. Now, the question marks are in the secondary and, you know, the skill positions on offense. And, you know, I would just make the comment that they felt good enough about what they have returning that they didn't go into the transfer market to shore up some holes. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those deals where we'll see it. You'll, you know, you'll, the proof will be in the pudding when, when you go to BYU in week two, and that's going to be a tough road game. So, We'll see how these guys play under the lights. But I, I do think they like the talent level, and, and, they, and they do have a lot of guys that took a lot of snaps. I mean, it's not like a cupboard is bare, even though they lost some really key guys on both sides of the ball. They, they did have a lot of depth last year, and, and they played these guys that are, that are you know, going to be inserted into the starting lineup. They paid, played them a significant amount of snaps last year. Ashley Hodge, co-owner of Sikkim 365, with us here in the game as we preview Baylor football for the 2022 season. Looking at the schedule, it is quite interesting for Baylor this season. Six home, 
six away, a non-conference road trip to BYU, and you'll play five games on the road in Big 12 play. So it's not an easy schedule this season for Baylor. But when you look at what's coming up this year, what would you consider Baylor's swing game? A game that if Baylor wins, the season could be really great. If they lose, there's still some work to do. Yeah, I I think you look at the schedule, they've got six pretty tough road games. Uh, I would say the one that would be most concerning to me is is uh, a game at Texas Tech right before they go to at Oklahoma. Um, I do feel this is going to be a contrarian opinion, uh, one that your audience will probably agree with. I, I, I do think that the three best teams in the Big 12, uh, at least in my view, are going to be Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and Baylor. And, and Baylor does have Oklahoma State and Kansas State at home. Uh, now, you know, it doesn't mean – they're not going to lose at West Virginia or Texas Tech or, you know, one of those games at Texas at the end of the year. Maybe this year Texas puts it all together by the end, by the end of the year. Um, so there's some tough road games for Baylor. But but I do think, you know, having Kansas State at home and having Oklahoma State at home is, is it's a good year to have those two teams because I, I do think those two teams are going to be at the very top of the conference. You know, with the new Big 12 that'll take place starting next season, adding the four newcomers, I just feel like Baylor and BYU are going to have a natural rivalry. That's always going to be – it's going to be heated. Um, I, I thought last year that matchup being a non-conference game was, was going to be really fun. And, and this year now Baylor goes to Provo. I mean, you think, you think Baylor fans are going to travel well for that one? And are you looking forward to the road trip to Provo? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think there's going to be a contingent of four or 5,000 Baylor fans there. I don't think it'll be anything like what BYU brought to Waco. They they turned out in force. I mean, it was probably seventy percent Baylor fans. You know, thirty percent maybe. That's a, I mean, twenty five seventy five maybe. Uh, but they 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 travel. You know, of course, there's so many uh, Mormons around the country that that just have that natural affiliation with the school. Uh, but it is you know you bring up a good point because Baylor did take their offensive coordinator and their uh, offensive line coach going into last year. And so they're so nice. I mean, they're like, you know, they're, they're fans and, and even the, you know, uh, the coaching staff is, is always, you know, very, very classy in, in their words, but I'm sure that chapped them a little bit. And, and I'm, I'm sure they would love nothing more than to prove that, Hey, we belong here and, uh, you know, welcome to Provo and, and, uh, you know, let's, let's send you guys home with a loss. I'm, I'm sure they're going to be very motivated to, to put on their best foot forward in that game. Yeah. That week two game is going to be really fun to watch between Baylor and BYU. Now, a young guy or somebody from the transfer portal? Is there somebody that that stands out to you? Maybe Dave Aranda has been talking about for weeks, maybe going back to the spring that has stood out and we should be looking at to potentially make a big splash this year? Well, I think on offense, uh, he's not exactly a young guy. He's had lots of injuries. Uh, he's a junior in eligibility. I think we, we all joke that he may be 25 years old by now because of all the injuries in the COVID years and so forth. Uh, the Craig Squirrel Williams is the running back, and he's dynamic in space. Um, I think he may have uh, – Kansas State fans may remember him from a few years ago. I believe he scored a touchdown against Kansas State in Waco. Uh, it's, I think it's freshman year, so it might have been even you know uh, three years ago when, when that happened. Or, or I can't I – get, I get my time frame mixed up, maybe four years ago. But, he, but he's very dynamic. He's, like, got electric speed. Got a little bit bit of Barry Sanders in him. So he is that guy in this wide zone that can really make people miss in space. He's got that elusiveness. I think kind of like Deuce Vaughn. 
I, I would say kind of a similar player, you know, as far as that's concerned. And then on defense, uh, the guy that I think they may have trouble keeping much longer is uh, Garmin Randolph. Um, he's six foot seven, about two hundred sixty pounds, uh, long wingspan, very disruptive off the edge, and you know he's a guy that can rack up the sacks and also um, you know tip balls at the line of scrimmage, you know turnovers. He's he got a real knack for just getting the football. So I think I think Garmin Randolph is the guy to watch on defense. Ashley Hodge from Sikkim 365, our guest here on the game as we preview Baylor football for the 2022 season. All right, Ashley, so we've already mentioned Baylor's historic year last year, unexpected 12-win season, the most ever in Baylor history, Sugar Bowl victory, Big 12 championship. I'm sure that play that ended the Big 12 title game where Oklahoma State could not reach the pylon. Uh, probably was the most rewatched clip for Baylor fans this past season, but looking at this year, grand scheme of things, this could be a really crazy year for the Big 12. How will Baylor finish the season? What's your I think they have, you know, the Lions give me a lot of confidence, and I, and I do have confidence in Blake Shapin, uh, but I think they'll lose two games. Uh, so I'll, I'll say 10-2, and two, which would be an outstanding season heading into to the bowl, uh, the postseason. Uh, that may be some green and gold, you know, optimism because there certainly is a lot of tough road games, and I, and I do think the conference is, is definitely up for grabs. Personally, I'm a little skeptic of Oklahoma, just too much turnover. Uh, Texas, I'll believe it when I see it, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> I think Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Baylor, and maybe even Iowa State, you know, everybody kind of sleeps on them, but uh, I know Matt Campbell's, you know, had a lot of consistency, and, and they were a couple snaps away from, you know, winning the conference last year. I mean, they they were, you know, a disappointing year for them, but they but they certainly were highly competitive in every game they played. So, I, you know, I do think it's going to be a tough – I mean, the conference is really good top to bottom. You know, Kansas may be the only team that you still think there's some separation, you know, between the teams, a significant separation. But, you know, Kansas is getting better too. So, so I'll say 10-2. and two. Yeah, from most people I've talked to, it feels like Baylor should, from what we feel – could probably be that one team that is for sure going to get into the title game, but who the second team is, you're right. I, I completely agree with you. It's completely up for grabs on on who that could be. But uh, season opens September 3rd in Waco against Albany at 6 o'clock, and the Bears will host K-State on November 12th. Uh, Ashley, appreciate your time and look forward to talking to you again. You bet. Are you coming to Waco by chance, or you, uh, do you make the trip down here? You know, I'm not sure yet. I used to go down to Baylor. I went down there a couple of times to Waco for K-State soccer games when I was doing the radio calls. Oh, yeah. It, that'd be a fun night. Well, hey, listen, if you come, we'll take care of you at the tailgate. We throw a big tailgate. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We have a Blake Blackmar, former offensive lineman, that's going to barbecue with one of our owners, Brian Etheridge, and, mm-hmm. and uh, lots of – a good, good time. So I, we'd, we'd love to host you if you do come. Uh, make sure you connect with me. Yeah, that would be awesome, Ashley. I really uh, appreciate that. I'll make sure to let you know um, basketball season, of course, will be starting around that time. I do the public address announcing for men's basketball, so would have to work around that schedule as well. But if it's possible, I'd love to make the trip down there. Like I said, hadn't been to a Baylor game in Waco, so love to try to tailgate Baylor style, see what that's all about. But, Ashley, if it, if it all happens, I'll make sure to let you know. Sounds good. That is Ashley Hodge of Sikkim 365 with Mitch Fortner earlier today giving us a preview of the Baylor Bears going into the 22 season. He brought up Brian Etheridge as one of the uh, folks at Sikkim 365. Folks, on his Twitter feed, he 
his his barbecuing prowess, his smoky smoked meat prowess, top notch. So Mitch would be in for a nice trip. You know, Waco's a place I've not been. Surprisingly, amidst all of what I've done, uh, my old football partner got to go when Cami Etheridge's Northern Colorado team made the NCAA tournament because they played their regional games in Waco the year that Baylor, one of the years that Baylor was on a recent run, if you will, but uh, Northern Colorado matched up with Michigan in that opening round and it did not go well, but they got a couple days in, in Waco. And of course, everybody had to stop at Magnolia. They said that they had so many uh, muffins that were coming back. It was unreal. You know, My 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 former football analyst did the women's play by play for basketball, and uh, he he was informed he had to return with with muffins from Magnolia. So go figure. When we come back, we will dive back into the Wildcats as they continue their preparations this week for the coming season. We heard midweek from offensive line coach Connor Riley. His media opportunity came on Wednesday. We'll hear from him next as the game continues. Travion going with the Friday night EDM mix to get us going here on. No? Only way to do it. Only way to do it. <laughs> I'll have to tell you the stories. I know folks understand. By the way, I'm Troy Coverdale. Those of you who may, may be joining us and, and don't know who I am. I'm going to have to fill you in uh, at some point on the fight between the neighbors at Red Rocks or, you know, in the area around Red Rocks in Morrison, Colorado, and EDM performances there. Really? Noise level issues. Is and it it's been, really bad? It's been ongoing for a decade. Yeah, wow. it's, it's rather huge. I, one of those things where I don't think of Red Rocks and EDM in my own mind. You know, I think more of... In my case, we saw Nora Jones there. Right, right. As an example. But it's an outdoor venue. Mm-hmm. Like, EDM festivals are huge, mm-hmm. and tons of kids go to them. Uh-huh. I know so many people that go to them. <laughs> so you understand where I'm coming from. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I said, not exactly my, my where my mind goes with it. By the way, if you get the chance, wonderful museum. Really? At Red Rocks, inside uh, some of the structure. Right. I, I don't know how much of the history you know of the construction of that place. Not too much. I just It's just iconic in Colorado. But. Civilian Conservation Corps did the bulk of the work. It was a naturally cut area, but uh, City of Denver owns it, even though it's literally officially Morrison, Colorado. Uh, but the feds with the Civilian Conservation Corps did the work that uh, put in the bleachers and all of that type of stuff. So it it existed even in a form before they got to it in the in the late 20s and turned it into what it is now. But uh, it is overwhelming to get down there on what is essentially the stage area and just look up. Right. It, it is it's tremendous. So okay. yeah, I've heard it's pretty unforgettable to see shows there. So. And then you have the folks who are psycho enough to go out there and do their stairs workouts every day. Really? Oh, yeah. 
That's <laughs> big, that is another big item. Yeah. That's interesting. So utilized as a as essentially a park during the day. There's not too many venues that can say that. So exactly, exactly. But oh, what a place! We continue with our uh, conversations with K State coaches this week uh, about where practices are. We had the opportunity on Wednesday as the offensive coaches met with the media following a, a practice uh, that the uh, that the media was able to watch just a little bit of. We get the uh, chance to hear from offensive line coach Connor Riley now. How many guys does it feel like it's, are in the mix so far this year? Well, right now, and you guys kind of know me, I want to get to eight or nine guys, and that's where we're trending towards. We are not there right now. In fact, if sure somebody may ask me, so I'll kind of give you the, the, the answers to the test here a little bit. I couldn't name what our starting five is going to be right now. I love the fact that we have a lot of competition up front, but we are not ready to name a starting five. And I would say we have eight, and we're working on that ninth to be in the mix. I still would anticipate that we will get to a rotation within the guys up front, You know, whether that's seven, whether that's eight. I tell those guys, it's up to them. If they deserve to play, their teammates trust them, then they're going to be in there playing. How is Operation Left Tackle going? <laughs> That's a great question. Been very pleased with Katori Leviston right now. And Andrew Gang is continuing to develop on it. Um, and to me, the great thing, and, and if you guys would see, we still have, you know, Cooper Beebe, who's uh, proven to be pretty good at that position as well. So when you look at that rotation, it's a, really it's a three-horse race because um, you can look at Katori being there, Andrew Langang being there, or Cooper Beebe. Now, obviously, Cooper Beebe is going to start, so then that brings into the mix you know, Andrew Langang. That brings into the mix Hadley Panzer. That in, brings into the mix uh, with uh, Carver Willis as well and Dawson Delforge and uh, Taylor Poitier. The fact that at the next level, Cooper's probably an interior lineman. Does that come into your thinking at all? That no, it doesn't. And what we're going to do is what's best for the football team now and what his future may hold for him, which, you know, I'm excited, but I'm excited about this year. And uh, um, that's, that's for them to decide uh, when he leaves this place. Share the difference, but do you have to teach anything differently going from, you know, to a new offensive coordinator or a new system a little bit? You know, there's a, there's a lot of similarities within our offense. Um, there's obviously going to be some nuanced changes. Uh, there's kind of a, a melting pot, if you will, of some of the things that we had done previously and then some of the things that Coach Klein is continuing to build on. And as long as we're efficient, we're being physical, that's what we're going to care about. And, uh, and then obviously explosive. And, uh, and I think that was something we were very good with a year ago, is being explosive. But, uh, you know, here it is, if you guys were waiting, the, the one, my favorite word, consistency. And consistency not only up front from an offensive line standpoint, but consistency from an offensive standpoint as well. What other kind of young guys kind of popped out? 
Well, I'll tell you, um, you know, when you look at Andrew Leingang, when you look at, uh, you know, Hadley Panzer, who are obviously still only in their second year and we're in the conversation that these guys are going to be potentially in that starting mix, I still constitute them as younger guys. Now, you look at some of the young fellas that we've come in with, um, you know, there's two names that really pop, and I'm pleased with all five new guys. But Drake Beckwith is, uh, he's going to be a great football player here. And, uh, you know, uh, one of the strongest guys on the offensive line um, is Michael Capria out of Kansas City. And I couldn't be more pleased with him for a guy who's never played center. And we recruited him as a center. And to see where he's at right now, I couldn't be more pleased. John Pastore, you know, he looks a little bit different. The guy's got like a 29-inch vertical leap, very similar to me. Um, and, and then you look at Jalen Clem. And, you know, certainly we can't, uh, can't forget, I really like how Alex Key is continuing to develop as well from a physicality standpoint. So if I were going to say two names that pop, um, you're going to look at, uh, you're going to look at uh, Beckwith and you're going to look at Capria right now. And, and they've gotten reps with the twos. You talked a little bit about KT. Could you kind of share just how he's progressed since he's been here at K-State? We joke about it. And we joke about it from a maturity standpoint. And Katori jokes about it with the other young guys as far as some of the interesting things that we talk about. Whether or not he's the starting left tackle, whether or not he's this or that, I cannot be more pleased and more happy for Katori with the development that he's had and growth he's had as a young man. Here's a guy who's graduated from college, you know, graduated from college and comes from a tougher situation. He's taking grad school right now. He's got a great attitude. And I would be remiss if I would not say that the impact of Coach Carroll and his entire staff have had on that young man. It is, I get chills thinking about that guy. And where he was and where he's at now, I couldn't be more pleased. And I'm excited for him because he's playing his ass off right now. And Taylor Poitier has bounced back from injury. Uh, Taylor Poitier is probably one of the more talented guys that we have in our room. He has not played really in a year and a half. You know, he had a surgery uh, in the spring of 2021. Obviously, uh, heartbroken for that young man um, in the fall of this past year. And he even missed the, the lion's share of this past spring. So he's knocking some rust off. I think his expectations for himself, he needs to temper. And he and I have had that conversation. But uh, uh, I couldn't be more excited for Taylor Poitier. And I think that you guys are going to enjoy watching that young man um, play the game of football because he is explosive and he is damn, damn good. Comments from offensive line coach Connor Riley capping off uh, a group of uh, those coaches that met with the media on Wednesday this week as the Cats continue their preparations for the coming year on the gridiron. Number one song of the day when we continue on the game.
I could seriously put together a library of bumper music that would eat up so much space on our servers. <laughs> It'd probably be a lot of cool stuff, though. Uh, this would be among it. And I'm kicking myself going, man, I haven't heard that in a while. Right. From 1977. I can get into that Big Boss Radio Voice thing <laughs> here and give it that 70s radio treatment. Best of my love by the emotions. Five weeks at number one for the group of sisters. Wanda Hutchinson Vaughn. Jeanette Hutchinson Hawes, Sheila Hutchinson, and Pamela Rose Hutchinson. Hailed from Chicago, they started out in gospel music but transitioned into R&B and disco. Named by VH1 as one of the 18 most influential girl groups of all time. This was the only number one they enjoyed, though. Three top 40 hits, nine studio albums, and the album it came off of, Rejoice, was their fourth. Now, I know someone is out there going, I've heard the... Of course. Because they've been sampled by artists such as Big Daddy Kane, Tupac, Double L, LL Cool J, Wu-Tang Clan, 50 Cent Cube, salt and Peppa, De La Soul, Kanye West, A Tribe Called Quest. See, it's easier not even to list who they've been sampled by, honestly. It's just everyone. Notorious B.I.G., Tony Braxton, Mariah Carey, Lisa Lisa and Cold Jam, Mary J. Blige, Genuine, and yes, even Janet Jackson. Best of My Love was actually written by Earth, Wind, and Fire members Al McKay and the recently passed Maurice White. It definitely has that Earth, Wind, and Fire Mm -hmm. feel. Absolutely. Maurice knew the sisters from his pre-Earth, Wind, and Fire days as he regularly was the drummer for the then teenage girl group on gigs in the Chicago area. The emotion signed to Stax, and when that label imploded, White signed them to his Kalimba Productions. There, he and McKay wrote Best of My Love specifically for them. For White, writing the song was a way of expressing a positive feeling in a style much better suited for the emotions than for Earth, Wind, and Fire, even though it had that feel you know, the similarities to it, just a little different. White says he never would have written it, in fact, for Earth, Wind, and Fire. McKay played guitar. Fellow Earth, Wind, and Fire members Larry Dunn, Fred White, and Verdine White were all on the track. Another advantage to working with Maurice White in the 70s was access to the horn section. Right. That's so crisp and nice. The Phoenix Horns. White utilized them on the track. In 1979, White had the emotions sing on Earth, Wind, and Fire's Boogie Wonderland as well. This was the 1977 Grammy Award winner 
for best rhythm and blues vocal performance by a group. So good. Right. And the anti-disco. Honestly. Yeah, it's 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 like kind of classic Motown in mm-hmm. a way, but it, it's it's a mix of both. It's interesting. It's not nearly as bass heavy. Sure. For disco. And which is surprising because Verdine White is like, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's got a great bass line anyways, but, you know, not so much heavy on the... In all honesty, I'd much rather this than Mariah Carey's... What did she use this in? I'm not sure. Because she got up. to the high range of nearly dog oh, whistle. Oh, um, emotion. Yeah, from her first that's album. it. Yeah, that's Even what though it is. I think that that's a pretty good song. It, it's an okay song. I think she pushed it a little too much in a couple of points there with her, whistle with her voice. Yeah, yeah she yeah. got into whistle that's tone. That's the most iconic thing probably about it. You know, and the sisters, you can just tell here that they knew how to balance a group together and were outstanding. No wonder it won a Grammy, by the yeah, way. I mean, they, this the, the vocal on this is just tremendous. All right, you armed and ready with Ask Us Anything questions? Always am. We'll get that when we wrap up this edition of The Game. Speaking of Earth, Wind, and Fire, there they are. Imagine that. Right? All right. What's up? Have you ever traveled outside of the country? Briefly. And would you believe that it wasn't until my final year of doing Division I college basketball with Northern Colorado that I made a trek outside of the country? Okay. I had never had a reason for a passport until November 2019. And where was that too? Cancun. Cancun. Yeah. Was it nice? It was wonderful. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and and that was a tournament that uh, included uh, Wichita State and South Carolina and West Virginia. I've got a wonderful photo of Huggy and Frank Martin sitting next to each other. Of course, the two former head coaches here. At K-State, Martin having been Huggins' assistant. Um, And they're sitting courtside watching games, and Huggins has his feet sticking out from underneath the table that they're sitting at courtside, so it's, you know, got the curtains on it. His feet are sticking out, and he's wearing (laughs) flip-flops. He was in that... He was in that beach mode. Right. You know, so... Hard not uh, to be, probably. Only... Only... Only basketball event I've ever been to in which the buffet was also in the uh, same room. Really? As That's... the court. <laughs> what all they have? Um, it varied day by day. Right. It, it was the hard rock. And so... Oh, uh, okay. So, yeah, we had various. And then they had bars as well. Right. Have you ever thought about going anywhere else? Plenty of times. Really? I would like to make a trek up to Canada. Right. Spend some time in Toronto and Montreal specifically. So yes, I I would like to do more of that type of traveling that I 
have never had the time to do right because of work <laughs> imagine that right um do you collect anything not really mm. um i do have a little bit of a collection of the m&m dispensers oh really that were so popular it kind of became a like the thing. plastic ones yeah mm -hmm. okay i have i have a the red m&m one now i've got a bunch of them right you know varying from the from red and yellow at the movie theater right to uh red with a football blue with a saxophone and, and just a number of them i had more before unloading some of them before we came back here mm -hmm. and then go oh yeah we still had those all filed away right and found oh. that i still had more <laughs> Wow. Forgot what we had packed away. You always find those at garage sales and stuff, too. Yeah. So we have them lining the kitchen, top the <laughs> counters, or That's top fine. the cupboards. Folks, have a great weekend. Uh, again, our thoughts, prayers go out to Mitch's family at this tough time. We will see you again on Monday when we get things back underway for another week at the game. Go Cats!